Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Condola Rashad was born in New York City and has been taking the theater world by storm. She made her debut in the off-Broadway play Ruined and has continued to grace the theater stage. The Tony Award-nominated actress has been a part of productions for Stickfly, St. Joan, and Romeo and Juliet. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Condola Rashad reflects on how she first got into acting, her experience on the Showtime series Billions, and her experience with meditation. Hey, Kendola. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? I'm, I'm, you I'm, are, and that is, that is, that's like a real feat, because no, normally <laughs> people don't get it right away. All right, now where does the name come from? I could guess, but I'd love to hear. It was my grandmother's name, um, so it's a family name, yeah. Oh, nice. and so what did they call you growing up? Did they call you that, or did they give you a nickname? No, so basically my name is Condola Felia Rashad, and so, um, growing up, everybody called me Felia, actually. So basically up until I was like 20, no, up until when I went to college, when I was like 18, people called me Felia. But I um, I started going by Condola only because professionally, Felia is very close to Felicia. So I was like, people are going to get confused. So <laughs> Right, right. That's so funny. I, uh, I'm called by a family name uh, from Zimbabwe, and that's what I was called most, that's what I was called growing up. And then... Uh, uh, when I was seven years old, I was taken to a new school, and I was walk, being walked around the school, and the woman said, what do you want to be called? And I thought, what about that name they call me the first day of school every year, Carlos? I just wonder what, because I thought I was only going to be here for 10 minutes with her. I was like, <laughs> how cool would that be to be called Carlos for 10 minutes? And it ended up being the rest of my life. So I ended up switching <laughs> uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, so I get it. Different names, uh, uh, different names. Uh, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in New York or... I did. I grew up here in New York. Yeah, I'm in New York right now. I'm, I'm at my mother's house, but I grew up in Mount Vernon, New York. Mm-hmm. Oh, your money earned in Mount Vernon. I like that. Money earned in Mount Vernon. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And then I see all the books behind you, and I'm one of those people where if if I was there with you, 
I'd be looking at your books. I love looking at people's books and what they have and what they yes. read and what they didn't read and what's like kind of worn out a little <laughs> bit and not. Are you a book reader or, you, or is your mom I a book am, reader? I will be honest. I'm actually in my mother's office right now. So they're all her books. But yes, I am. A, a, it's funny that you mentioned that too, because just recently I was saying to a friend of mine, I in the past like couple of months have not been reading as much as I normally do. So I've been like, I need to, I need like book, I need like recommendations. I need to like get back to my reading. Cause normally I read quite a bit. Yeah. What, are you a uh, novel or nonfiction or biography? Yeah, or what do you I like, like reading? I like novels. I, I love novels. I like suspense. I like, um, like psychological thrillers recently though. Most of my reading has been, um, I, I kind of have been utilizing the time that I do read to work on my Italian cause I'm fluent in Italian now. So, um, it took me a while to get that way. So now, um, in order to maintain that, I still try to practice about an hour and a half a day for the most part. Um, and so now one of the ways that I do that is I just like, I, there's a, there's a bookstore in the city that sells books in Italian. So I kind of just read whatever I can find in Italian. So that's, that's how I've been utilizing my time. But now I need to also read some other books in English. <laughs> Wait, now, now do you dream in Italian yet or no? I've had a few dreams in Italian. Yes. I've had a few dreams for Italian seeped in, which has been really, really cool. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My best friend's, uh, uh, mom was, uh, family's from Cuba and she used to okay. always say that you really learn another language when you dream in it. That was her litmus test for when you yeah. had crossed over and you were really fluent is when you dreamed in it, which, mm-hmm. uh, sadly I never have, but, uh, but, uh, and why Italian? What brought you to Italian? So, uh, I have a very strange connection with Italy. Um, when I went, I went for the first time when I was about nine years old. Um, I was with my family. I was with my aunt. And we were in, the first place I went to was uh, Positano on the Amalfi Coast. Ooh, and uh, Ooh, that's one of the most beautiful uh, places in the world. It is. And it was around the time when I was younger, it, ha- it wasn't quite as, as, as well known as it is now. So when I went, it was actually quite quiet when I went. But I had a very strange experience. And even as a young person, I didn't really have the words for it, which was, I felt like I had been there before. I felt like, very much at home. It didn't feel, and I, I, um, I was very fortunate as a young person to have the privilege of being able to travel quite a bit with my mother, which I'm very, very grateful for. But um, I had been to many other places that I liked that I thought were so great, but Italy was different. It, it didn't feel like a place that I, that was foreign that I, that I liked. It actually just felt like home. Like it actually felt, even the language felt familiar to me. It was very strange. So, um, yeah, so I had this very, even as a young person, I had this connection to Italy. So it took me many years to go back. Uh, I went, the, the, the next one when I was 10. And then it took me, I know when I was in high school, I, you know, I, I didn't get to come back. And then after I graduated from college, I was working in the theater. And I didn't for many years have the funds to just like go on a vacation to Italy. So I just didn't go back. So finally in 2018, um, I did this whole trip during this uh, Broadway production of St. Joan that I did. I went to France first and I did a whole, uh, like a couple weeks in France. And then I decided to go back to Italy. And I remember thinking on the plane, like, okay, let's see, maybe I just was a kid. Maybe that was just a really, like a random feeling. As soon as the plane landed, I felt it again. I was like, yo, what is this? Like, I felt this feeling like I'm home. I made it back. It's so strange. I know it sounds so strange, but so then I said, okay, so then after that summer, I really decided to just to just go in. I think a lot of people um, in their adulthood have this dream of wanting to learn a language, but there's this false notion that it's too late. 
like is there's this weird understanding like well it's much easier to learn it when you're a kid that might be true but I'm a testament. You can absolutely become fluent in the language as an adult. All you have to do is give it a certain amount of time every single day. If you can do that, you can, you can learn a language, you know? So I just decided that I, that I was going to learn it as if it was a part of my job because I decided that one day I would utilize it as a part of my job. Um, and so I just kind of went in and then for the past, let's see, what was it like? I started dabbling in it in 2015, 2016 before I went. But then when I went, I went ham. I got back. I got a teacher, I had classes, <laughs> like it was serious. So yeah. And then after that, I started going to Italy, like every maybe four months, I would go to a different region just to kind of get more accustomed to being surrounded by the language and making friends and kind of having a little bit of a foundation there. And then the pandemic happened. So I have not been back. Um, I haven't been back since maybe right before the pandemic hit. When, when the pandemic hit Italy, I was actually in Italy uh, those two weeks right before it hit, it hit, I was there. So it was very strange when I got back because, uh, I had just been there. And then the next thing I knew I came back and a week later, my friends were calling me like, yo, tell your friends to go inside. It's not, it's serious. Cause we hadn't, it hadn't hit here yet. Right. So I felt like I had been in a time warp. I was like, wait, I don't know what to do. My friends are telling me what's happening over there. And I don't know how to get people to believe me here. And so it was nuts, but all that to say, yes. That's my Italian story. <laughs> well, I, I love that Italian story, and I love Italy, and I've gotten to go a few times, and I do think that the Amalfi Coast may be one of the three or four most beautiful places I've seen. And I will not argue that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, where else do you love in Italy? Because it sounds like you have sampled nicely and widely. Yes, yes, yes. So the Amalfi Coast is definitely like my, that's a that's a dream of mine. But the, let's see, the last time that I went, I really love Florence. Right, um, yeah. I have a lot of friends in Florence. Um, and so, uh, for that reason, I really love Florence, but also, um, the, the Puglia region yeah. Oh, yes. is beautiful. And it's also like a little, mm, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are tourists everywhere all the time, but I would say in certain parts of Puglia, you can really get to a place where you're like, oh, I feel like I'm just surrounded by Italian speaking people. <laughs> it's really cool. Well, and yeah. now, are you now uh, fluent enough that you are able to interact easily yeah. and well with people? Yeah, that must be a different experience. I've gotten to travel a lot, but I've never gotten good enough at a language where I've been in a non-English speaking country where you really could go in like that. And I, uh, yeah, I think that would be nice. It'd probably be a different dimension. Uh, yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. And I really recommend it. I recommend it to anybody who thinks that they can't do it to just try. If you have any language that you're passionate about or you always want to, like, just just see what happens. Just dive in because what it does is it, it like you said, it, it opens up a whole portal to another universe. Like I now have a whole like network of friends that I wouldn't have had had I not learned the language because some of my friends don't speak English. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh you, well, you know, I also, I've had friends tell me before, like I have a friend who's Vietnamese who says that uh, he speaks Vietnamese, French, and English. And he says he has different personalities and different senses of humor. In 100%. each language. Yeah, yeah, which I think is interesting uh, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. My life is, I definitely do like to say that I kind of have a little bit of a double life. Like my my lifestyle when in Italy is a little bit different. And it's just, I'm not doing anything on purpose. It's just the energy there and the way that my energy blends with that energy is just different. Like the way that I walk down the street is different. The way that I interact with people is different because the way that they interact with me is different. Culturally, uh, there's a level of openness in Italy. So there's a level of like, 
Like I can, I like, <laughs> I I pretty much make at least three or four friends a day whenever I'm there, just because it, the the culture is so open in that way. I can just I meet somebody, and the next thing I know, a year later, I'm still friends with them, and I met them at the coffee shop, and now we're friends. So this is the way it goes. <laughs> that is that's kind of nice, and it is interesting when you feel warmly received in a place. <laughs> there are certain yeah. homes. Growing up, uh, my mom was one of seven, my dad was one of six, but. Among all the aunts and uncles, there were certain homes that were warm homes that people were excited to go, and there were certain homes that were maybe not as thrilling. And <laughs> those homes where you were excited to walk through the door, there was a different feeling. And you could now that you say that, kids behave differently uh, in those spaces than they did elsewhere. So it could be uh, it could be nice. Um, so now, are you a uh, a mama's girl, daddy's girl, or a little bit of both? I would say a little bit of both, but I'm definitely a daddy's girl. <laughs> are you? Are you? I, yeah. me, I met your dad way back when. He and I both were having uh, a hip thing at the same time, and we were at oh, the same doctor yeah. in New no York. Way. And I always, uh, I've, I always enjoyed him kind of going way back, and so it was nice. It was the one time uh, I got to say hello to him. But, but, uh, but I love hearing that you're a daddy's girl for some reason because I know that you spend so much good time with your mom and uh, – and, uh, um, I thought you might be, but but you say daddy's girl. Why daddy's girl? I don't know. It's just, it's just, he's always just been my big giant hero since I was a little girl. It's just the dynamic. But I definitely am a mama's girl too. It's both. It's just, yeah, it's just a different dynamic. <laughs> Wait, now do you have brothers and sisters or are you an only I child? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, okay. I have, I got a bunch of brothers and sisters. My, I actually was just at my, my brother Jamil just got married. So I just oh, saw the yeah. first time I just yeah. saw all of them. So that was nice. Oh, nice. In, in New York or where was the wedding? It was in San Diego. Okay. Outdoors. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what? San Diego is really nice right now. I was actually just down there for something. And uh, it is, it's one of those places that has a nice vibe and a nice feel to it. Totally. It was my first time really spending. I never really spent time down there. So it's my first time down there. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. 
Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. So how did you get into acting? I mean, I can assume, but I don't want to assume. I can assume and see your mom and see. By the way, do you know that your aunt has been on the show? I didn't know. She she is uh, she was on the show. We had such a nice time. She was telling me all about your grandmother and all the interesting history and living in Mexico and, yeah, and spending yeah. time in the Middle East and kind of her own journey. And I really, yeah. I really learned a lot and enjoyed being with her. Um, so I think this is the first time I've had family members. So I'm going to have to send her a note <laughs> and tell her uh, and, and, and tell her that we've won up uh, that we've um, won up to her. Well, you know, honestly, ever since I was a, I've been an artist since I, can remember remember since I was a child I've been an artist and I will say that in my family we've noticed it and it's just something that we don't really have an explanation for but basically like anybody that's come from my grandmother in any shape or form has some form of artistry expression well like literally like like even nieces nephews so everybody has some form of expression of artistry if you came from her yeah she was the first everybody that came from her has some form and she, and she was she was she was a dancer, yes. She is a writer. Okay. okay. Poet. Yeah. 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 Poet, and so, and um, also a musician, and so yeah. Between my aunt, for you know, she's a choreographer and she's an actor and a singer, and then my uncle, he's a jazz musician, and my mother and me and my cousin and my my nieces, and everybody has something that comes out. It just it it's, it it lives in our DNA. I will say it is a family of artists. And it's genuine. There's never, um, there's never been one of us that has um, entered into the work of being an artist because it's what we do. It genuinely just comes from us. And it's, it's, um, we're very fortunate because I'll say, I'll speak for myself. I'm very fortunate because uh, growing up as an artist, being surrounded by artists, I felt very um, supported. And I was living in a space that was cultivating my artistry. Um, which a lot of artists, you know, they don't have that, that a lot of time they have to kind of, you know, fight a little bit because maybe, you know, some families don't understand that path and it's not the most stable path all the time. And so, so I'm very fortunate to have been surrounded by that world as a young person. Um, But when I was growing up, aside from it just being my expression, um, my mother took me everywhere that she went. 
Like, so when she was in rehearsals, she brought me and I was able to actually go and see her in her artistry and see her in her work ethic. And that was something as a young person that inspired me. And I was able to really get a sense of what that dedication was. So it wasn't just about the, um, the glitz and the glamour that comes along with what we do often. It was about the work itself. It has always been about the work in my family. So that's what's always kind of a, a that, that's what's always been the drive for me. Were you always slated to be an actor when it comes to being an artist or were, oh. were, were there other parts to your, to your artistry? Oh yeah, definitely. And still are. I mean, I, I actually still consider myself a musician who acts. I trained classically in the piano. I don't play classical anymore, but that's how I trained. Um, and I'm a singer songwriter. That's actually the first, that would be my first expression. So even when I went to college for acting, um, my siblings were actually surprised because they were so sure that I was going to go for music because that's actually what they knew me to, to be. Um, so yeah, and then the acting actually came a little bit later. I mean, I, I did some, you know, I did some plays in high school and middle school, but it, it was not, I wouldn't have called myself a thespian in high school. I wasn't like part of the drama club or anything like that. I, I was actually more so playing classical piano. <laughs> And, and so right out of college, were you looking for music opportunities? Or were you looking for acting opportunities or both? Well, actually, just the way that it happened was uh, the music is just always there. So I already knew that that was always going to be a part of my existence. So even with this EP that I put out last year, which I'm working on part two of right now. But um, when I graduated from college, kind of the way it worked out was I, um, I was very fortunate and I got an agent for acting pretty much right away. And then maybe about a month and a half after that, I, it just so happened that I landed my first gig, which was Ruined, um, the play by Lynn Nottage. And then it just kind of took off, that everything just kind of moved in that direction. Um, so when I, in 2000, what was it, 2012, 2013, I finally had a dream come true of mine, which as I started a band, which was really, really fun. <laughs> I was in a rock band called Condola and the Stoop Kids. And it was a really great time. And we had an album called The Letter Nine, which I'm going to re-record and, and re-release, which I'm excited about. But um, it was a lot. It was eight people in that band. So it was a lot to carry. <laughs> right. And uh, so I reached this moment in time where I was, I was actually doing Romeo and Juliet at the time on Broadway and also recording the album at the same time. So I would leave Romeo and Juliet and go to the studio and record in the same evening. And it was such a such a thrill to do all of that, but also it got to the point where, and I was much younger too, so I realized, okay, not forever, but for this moment, I'm gonna have to put my focus in one or the other because they're both gonna flounder at this moment because they were both just babies. Like both my acting career and my music career were, were so young and I was kind of independent. So I, I realized that they were both going to suffer if I didn't actually just focus for the time being, which was very hard for me because as I expressed, music is my first passion. But at the time, my acting career was farther along. So I decided, okay, just for a few years, I'm actually just going to put my focus into that, allow that to grow. And when that reaches a certain place, then I will bring my music back around, um, which is exactly what I did. I, uh, as soon as I did that too, every, like, every, Billions came in, a couple of films that I did came in. As soon as I shifted my focus, everything kind of filtered its way in. Um, and then, yeah, and then about two years ago, I decided that it was time for me to release more music. So I put out this um, visual EP that I directed called Space Daughter last year, which was kind of a dream come true. 
in the sense where I, I had, I mean, I've always been creating music, but that was the first time where I directed. I never directed any, like, I never directed anything. So I directed these five music videos with a friend of mine and uh, learned that I have a knack for directing. And that was something that was kind of shocking to me. And then producing as well, because I produced it. And I learned that it's absolutely something that I'm interested in and absolutely something that when I have a clear vision of something, I can really do it quite well. Who who has the kind of career that you could envision for yourself? Not that you would be a carbon copy of anyone, but like who has, who's who's doing it the way that you might enjoy doing it? I don't know if there is anyone. <laughs> I'm not sure that there is anyone. Um, that's a really good question. I have to think about it. I honestly, I can't think of anybody that's doing it the exact way that I'm doing it or the way that I would go about doing it. It's a really unique path. I think the way that I'm, moving through space. Um, yeah, I think about it. <laughs> yeah, but, the, but, but there's more than one thing that can fulfill you. And I think that there's a beauty to that. I think I heard Oprah once say that she thought that part of what worked out so well for her is that when she started doing her talk show nationally was uh, very shortly thereafter, she did her first film, uh, The Color Purple. And that some people who were just getting used to seeing her as a talk show host, then all of a sudden got a second view of who she was, a richer view. And then on the other side, there were people who only saw her through the film and then realized she also was doing the talk show and also enjoyed her more. And there was something about that mix. And I wonder if that'll end up being the same for you, that there'll be people who will hear you or watch you and and bounce across those. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think especially for artists, luckily we're in a time where our as a collective, um, I think our understanding of fluidity is starting to open. And I think there's a lot more space for artists to just be artists versus having to label and put people in boxes. But at the same time, it's not something that I've never, I've always dealt with being put into some kind of a box in some way or other, but it never bothers me because as long as you don't put yourself in a box, then you don't experience yourself that way. And then eventually people start to just actually see what you're feeling and then you you can kind of move. But if you get caught in the box in your head, then it will not work out. So I kind of just walk into every room (laughs) knowing exactly what it is that I'm bringing to the table and allow everyone else to to follow suit. (laughs) Well, you know, I really um, I love billions so bravo Mm -hmm. on that. And I really I remember you coming on the screen for the first time and there was kind of a freshness and um and I felt like the screen, probably a weird thing to say, but I felt like the screen went towards you, uh, which, ah. was, which was which I thought was really nice. And I'm not sure that happens for every actor, um, but Ooh. but I thought that that was that was. Right. Have you enjoyed Billions? Has that been um, in all the different things you've gotten to done? Has has that been particularly good, or has it been part of a larger path, or, or what's it been like? I think it's definitely part of a larger path. I have had a lot of fun. I think the, the, the most fun part about Billions for me is definitely the cast. Um, like Paul Giamatti is like one of, I consider Paul Giamatti. I like one Paul of, Giamatti. He's good. I, I truly consider that man one of my best friends. I mean, oh. I just ride or die Paul, Paul Giamatti. Like I, I would, I just love that man so much. And everybody in uh you know, Asia and Maggie and, and Damien, it just, it, we got really lucky on that, on that show in the sense where like, there's not one bad apple. There's not one diva. Everybody gels. We all hang out. It's all cool. Like it's, it's, it's been a real blast in, in that regard for sure. And why do you think that is? Is that luck? Is that, is that something yeah. about who, who leads? <laughs> you just think it's just good luck. 
it's luck. I mean, yes, obviously the, the people that lead set the tone, but even still, like you, you can get anybody. You know, it it just so happens. Different <laughs> people just. Right. I've been very lucky in my career, though. I haven't had many. I haven't had many experiences that I that I would that I would revisit. But um, but yes, now this I would say this cast in particular is is quite amicable and just really really supportive and just really fun. We have a lot of fun. Too much fun on set, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's a good thing, though, when you say it like that. I like, uh, I like, I like, Gary, that. All right, so who are some of your favorite actors to to watch, to enjoy? Like, you as a consumer, as a viewer, or even you as a professional actor yourself. Like, whose work do you really enjoy? Uh, I am recently having this moment. I, I kind of move around. There's so many actors that I love, but, like, I'm having, <laughs> I'm having this moment, and I've always loved her work, but for some reason, I'm very drawn to Tilda Swinton right now. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. There's just something, she's so unbelievably commanding, mm -hmm. but like such an interesting, there's something about her that's just so, I find her very very, very, very fascinating. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th I think you chose such the right word, commanding, because I, I, I think there are certain people who announce themselves in a space, and not always loudly, but but still can command, and I, I think that's right. I think she's one, uh, yeah, I would put on that. I love Sophia Canito as well. Um, she's someone that I've always loved. Oh, God, there's so many people. Viola Davis is one of my favorite actors. Um, Viola, Viola Davis, I feel the same way uh, yeah. about. I thought that that scene between her and your girl Meryl Streep and, um, oh, my goodness, what is that? When uh, it's the mother of a son and Meryl Streep's like the headmistress at a school. Um, I can't remember what the name of that film was, but I thought that that was one of the most powerful scenes, seeing those two go back and forth. Yeah. I think yeah. she's, uh, no, no, no. she's brilliant. Yeah. There's just so many amazing talented. There's just a plethora of amazing talented people out there. Cynthia Erivo is someone who I love as well. We've gotten to become friends over the past couple of years, which has been really fun. Um, but yeah, it's, I think also that's part of being an actor. What I love is that there are so many of these brilliant actors that have become my friends over these, over the years. And it's been so wonderful to watch each other grow, you know, Oh, and so, and so who's in your crew? Who, uh, 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 if I were to see your people, who's, uh, who are your people? Oh, it's so much. Well, I don't know. This is like, it's a bunch of theater folk. Like, okay, I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. Like, but like, Cynthia is someone that I've kind of come around to in the past couple of years. Um, Adapera Oduye. I don't know if you know Adapera Oduye. She's a dear friend of mine. Um, uh, Jocelyn Bio, she's a writer. She's phenomenal she wrote school girls and she also wrote merry wives which is on um that's the it's an adaptation of merry wives of windsor that's on um uh it's shakespeare in the park she did that she that's out there right now um all the folks from hamilton i mean it's like all the different shows <laughs> basically um i these are these are all be, these have all become my friends because um Corey hawkins who's another dear friend of mine uh me and Corey started this party called the ghost light and the ghost light is we just decided to do this we were both nominated for a tony in the same year i think it was 2017 maybe to that i think it was 2017 i think so and we decided you know there's all these parties and it's like it's all a whole lot to do you know but, but it's, it, it, they, how do i put this 
some of these parties can be a little dry. Let's say it. <laughs> Are you going to call anybody out? Are you going to call anybody's party is dry? I mean, I'm not going to say any names, but they can just be a little dry. Or, you know, we're young. You're on the right. young right. side of the- yeah. And we decided that we were going to hold a huge theater bash that was not, I mean, it was on the night of the Tonys and in honor of the Tonys, but it was not just Tony nominees invited. It was the theater, it was the theater community invited. So what we did was, and like young people, young people, young people of color that are, whoever we thought, whoever we saw, we would do our research. We would literally go through and see what plays are happening off Broadway, off off Broadway. Who are the young talents that are stepping out this year? And we would literally just reach out to them and we invite all of them to this one party. So it was be a mix of people from the Tonys and people from off Broadway, off off Broadway, like just students and and our dress code is live your life. So it might be, I might be in my, my, you know, black tie gown from the Tonys and someone might come in their pajamas, whatever makes you feel alive. That's what you wear. Right. And then, so there's like a whole tradition of it too, because we have it in a place where um, it's a speakeasy. So it's really funny because all of our photos are uh, how to put this. So like, and a lot of the drier parties, you know, it's a lot of hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> we order, the whole, the whole tradition is we order Boxes and boxes of pizza. Right. And we drink Prosecco out of teacups, and it's great. And it's and so through that though, so many people have come together in that party. We miss it. We only got to do it three years in a row, and then the pandemic hit, so we haven't done it because we haven't had a theater season. Wait, wait. Now, was your friend David Diggs as part of this? Yes. Oh, oh, he we just had him, and I could tell he'd be someone who uh, who would be enjoyable I at that party. Maybe he's been invited all three years. See, because sometimes people are not around, but he's always on the always on the invitation list. David, I love David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I, I think I feel like there's a fresh set of really good actors, yourself included. I like Maggie a lot too. I kind of include her as part of of these fresh set of actors. Who um, Joel Kinnaman? I like Joel Kinnaman. I don't know if you've seen any of his work uh, and enjoy any of his work, but. Um, but yeah, I think there's a good fresh set of of, of uh, people, and thankfully they're coming to the Ghost Light, so that's uh, yes. that's good. That's good. So so when will you do it next? I guess it'll be next year, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe next year. Maybe next year that we'll have we'll have be able to do that again. We'll have to see how things are going. But yeah, it would be a it would be a, a dream if we could. Yeah. Now now your dad was so involved in sports, and uh, yeah. I know he's friends with Michael and a whole bunch of other people. Did that ever influence you at all in any way, or no? <laughs> so it's funny because like my poor dad, he, I, I'm sure he wanted me to play sports, and like I did. But the truth of the matter is, I'm quite literally the least competitive. I don't have a competitive bone in my body. Even when playing like games, like I want other people to win so they can feel good about themselves. I don't care. So at the end of the day, like I just, I don't care. So I don't care enough to be on a team. And like, I always felt very pressured. I was on the soccer team, but I did this thing where I would like run around and pretend to be busy, but also avoid the ball. Cause I just like truly did not want the responsibility of, of not getting in in the goal. I was like, I cannot handle this pressure. I'm just going to run around and avoid things. Um, the only sport that I that I did that I excelled at was track because I actually couldn't run quite fast. So I actually am athletic. I'm just not I'm not a competitive person. Um, but but track was safe because I felt like okay, even though you're a part of a team, if you 
don't win the race. It's it's you. Like your whole team doesn't have to suffer because of it. It's just it's just you. And I felt a lot more a lot more secure in that. Um, and then I was a high jumper as well. Um, but it's pretty funny. My dad used to come to like soccer games, and I could just tell he would just be like. <laughs> <laughs> although i have a really funny football story so um so like a couple years ago um my girlfriends were like okay we're gonna go play football and i was like okay now mind you i've never played football and to be honest like it was it was around the time where i was really starting to watch it because i actually do like to watch football quite a bit um so i'm like you know re-upping on the on the on the on the rules of it all i'm like okay cool so we're playing touch but really it ended up being tack touch tackle but like, so we're out there and they're like, okay, so what, what position do you want to be? And I was like, well, out of respect, I feel like I have to be wide receiver or else it's just like, it, it, I, I'll never live it down. So I guess I'm the wide receiver. So like, I'm right. You're going to throw it. I'm going to run. I'm going to catch it. And we're going to score or whatever. I don't know. We'll see what happens guys. Like I'm not competitive out of nowhere. I scored like six touchdowns. Like literally, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like it was like it's like in my DNA. Right, so like right. actually, I'm a football player. <laughs> oh, you, you know what? We need the women's football league, or we need some kind of football league for you to uh, show your Honestly, stuff off. I'm ready. Like I score. I and I, I remember I called my dad. I was so proud. I was like, Dad, I scored like six touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bet that made him smile. He was. He was good. Your dad, did you ever watch any of his stuff or did you ever see highlights or anything? And it's funny you mentioned that. This has actually been really moving for me because as a kid, I didn't quite understand because by the time I was born, he was not playing anymore. Whereas my siblings who are older than me, they have a different memory. They actually remember him being a football player. So when I was a kid, like, it was just something that I knew about him, but I didn't, I didn't like witness it firsthand. So a few years ago, he was honored by the Vikings. So we actually all went out there and they put his, you know, they raised his jersey up and all that. And we got to see like the highlights. And I was like really moved to tears because he was like a whole legend. Yeah. And then we became obsessed about like, call, I would call my dad sometimes. He'd be like, okay, so hold on, walk me through this play. So during this Hail Mary, like, what were you thinking? I was like, literally, I got so excited about him. And I could tell he was so excited that I was like, finally asking these questions. Um, but yeah, he was, he was amazing. <laughs> he, he, was, he was amazing and he was striking, he, A, in part because he changed his name. Uh, B, because he had an unusual number for a wide receiver. He was 28 instead of 82, which most of them were. And he did have a knack for the spectacular play. He played against my favorite teams, and he broke our heart several times. <laughs> and so that's why I remember him. But he was, uh, he was fun to, uh, he was fun to, uh, he was fun to watch. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. 
Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I've been thinking a lot recently about where we are a year later after Black Lives Matter and after all the conversation and whether or not um, whether or not any real change will happen or whether or not uh, we kind of had a moment and we had a conversation and for whatever combination of reasons, people are going to put it behind us. What, what are you seeing? Are you seeing anything different? Do you feel like 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 meaningful change has come? And, and I realize that could be a whole long question and that could be a whole year's worth of conversation, but, but what yes, do you say? There are still many things that need to shift, but a lot has come to the forefront. A lot of young people have done the work that is necessary. Um, people are educating themselves. People are educating each other. People are coming together. People are pushing back in the ways that we need to. I don't believe it was just a moment. And also, um, hmm. I do believe that in order to see and experience the world in a, in a new way, it will take, it will take more than just shifting laws, um, Yes, the laws, certain laws do need to shift, absolutely. And to support that, there will need to be a collective shift in consciousness 
in order for there to be any kind of sustainable change. Because you can change laws, and it's a good thing to do so, but until you change the human consciousness, you will always see this, these kinds of separation, these kinds of divisions come up because it's what's there. So the laws don't change that part. The laws actually just make it so, okay, you, you, you're not technically allowed to do these things, but that doesn't mean that this person might not want to still. You know? So it's like that's the thing that will need to shift in order for things to really change. And that can happen, but it is a collective consciousness that will need to shift. It will not just be one person. Have you seen anyone in your life uh, do that shift in a meaningful way? I'm sure we all have shifted some, but if, are there any... Uh, people are people, doing it every day. You, you, you see it. And I'm talking with more and more people who are coming to certain understandings about themselves, coming to understandings about themselves as a part of a collective. All of a sudden, I had this own experience of, I had my own experience of this where um, recently I've been, and I, this, is a, this is really, I've actually not talked about this yet because it, no one's asked me, but um, I've recently been stripped of judgment. Mm, and it's not, it was not mental. It was literally an experience of, I all of a sudden was not able to find judge. I was not able, I literally was not able to find judgment towards anybody. That doesn't mean that I don't hold people accountable. It just means I'm, uh, I do not look at anybody, no matter what they've done and see less of a person. I see I may see a person that's gone very far south. I may see a person who has become so enshrouded in darkness that they're not able to see when they harm another person that they are also harming themselves at the same time. But they cannot see that. And it doesn't mean, oh, pity that person. It just means I don't have judgment. I can hold you accountable, but I don't have judgment. Because anybody can fall into darkness. Anybody, and, and we all have in different, different levels and different measures. We forget that when we deal with each other. So when we have things like cancel culture, we forget that. I do believe cancel culture is incredibly detrimental in the sense where we are, like I said, it's one thing to hold someone accountable, but when we are not allowing an individual to evolve, we are basically not allowing ourselves to evolve. We are saying this person is just this, that is all they are, and they are not worth even being mentioned. So we may as well be saying that about ourselves. Why do we think we are different from everybody else? Does not, is there not a person, and again, there's different levels and layers and, you know, but is there not a person on this planet that has not done or said something in another year that they would not do now, that they have evolved and they would never do that again? You know, we have to, as a culture, start to allow each other to evolve and start to have compassion, not pity, but compassion. What, what changed you on that? What, as you called it, stripped you of judgment? What, what caused I that? I don't know. Um, so I, <laughs> I, have, I have a meditation practice that I have been on a journey with for many years. And it's just quite as simple as that. But sometimes with that, there have been shifts in my perspective and shifts in my understanding that just happen. I haven't actively tried to do it. 
I haven't actively said, okay, I'm not going to judge anymore. I, so what happened was, is, um, there was a picture of someone in a newspaper and this person had caused a lot of harm to people. And I saw this photograph and normally in that kind of a circumstance, my mind would automatically go to, oh my God, this, this guy, uh, uh, that negative thing. Oh, he's just the, uh, he should just be, uh, he should just go to jail. Uh, all these things, you know, oh, bad, 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 horrible, horrible, horrible. And I saw, I, I swear to you, and I talked to my friend about it because I actually, it actually frightened me because I actually was like, this isn't what I know. <laughs> I saw this person's picture and I cried because I literally felt when I saw this person, when I saw the, the person's face, I saw someone who was so disconnected from himself that he even if he thought he meant what he was doing, I could see in the photo, he had no idea how much he had harmed himself by doing what he did because we're connected. But that, that understanding was so far from him. And when that understanding is so far from someone, that is what causes you to harm another person because you feel disconnected and you don't feel that if you harm this person that you, that it has anything to do with you. When you have an understanding of, of, of connectedness, you feel that. You feel the, the, you feel the pain of another person. You, don't, you, don't, you wouldn't want to cause that. You only want to cause that if you're not connected to yourself. Truly, truly, truly. This is what I believe in. But these are the things that I've been experiencing recently. And it was hard because, again, I was not used to that. Um, I didn't know what to think of it. I felt bad because I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to hate this person, but I don't hate this person. I hold them accountable for what he's done, but I don't have hatred for this person. I don't have hatred for this person. Did you, have you read this book? Um, uh, there's a book. Uh, first of all, I like mystery novels too and thrillers. I like David Baldacci. I don't know if you ever come across any David Baldacci, but if you haven't, you might like him. Um, but there's a really interesting book called The Short and Tragic Life of Robert Peace, which Ooh, is okay. which, which is a, a, a true story about a young man who grows up in Newark, New Jersey. And I won't give you any more, but given what you just shared, I think you would enjoy this. I think you I okay. think you would enjoy this and find it uh, and find it fascinating. Um, uh, maybe. Yeah, I think you might. Thank you for it. sharing that with me. Yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny what you're saying about meditation, because I work. um with a gentleman named Marco, you can't see him, I can see him. And uh, he and I have talked about meditation more. And for years, my best friend who I grew up with would always try and encourage me to uh, do meditation. He's a teacher in Miami, and he does it every morning uh, before school. And we did it recently on the show once. And it was, uh, um, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was yeah. different. It was, uh, it was good. Yeah. Um, it's changed my life, truly. <laughs> I started because I always thought I couldn't do it because my I normally I'm a Sagittarius. Our brains move very quickly, and so I was always like, I can't meditate. It's just I can't sit that still, you know. But anybody can. You just there's nothing really to do, you know. You just I think that we get in our heads there's something that I'm supposed to do or achieve, but it's just about being anyway. And so you know, I started with five minutes a day. I did that for a month. 
And then after that, I added five minutes, then I added five minutes, and then I added five minutes. For a while, I was at two hours a day. Now, with the time that I have, I come back down to an hour. But I do find, and everybody experiences it differently, but I do find that my life has become a lot clearer since I began that journey. And it is a journey that I will definitely continue. <laughs> you know, one of your superpowers, even though I don't really know you, but I think one of your superpowers is that you are able to try things in increments. And what you said about learning Italian and now that, because most of us, it's hard to start small and to stick with it. And I think it takes a certain uh, constitution to try that. And I think that could be end up being a little bit of a superpower uh, for you <laughs> and your ability to do that. Um I know they're going to make me uh, let you go in a minute, but can I do rapid fire with you before we go? Okay. I'm nervous, but yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, what's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, that's so hard. That's so hard. Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. <laughs> what is your karaoke song? Africa by Toto. I didn't see that coming. We've never had that on the show. I love that. I love that. If you could have dinner with any person, dead or alive, who would you love to have dinner with? Prince. His royal badness. Rest in peace. Your favorite flower. What's your favorite flower? Violet. Most interesting thing you've ever learned about love? That it's my very nature. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Um, uh, the role that you're excited about that's going to come your way in the future. What role? I'm going to play Hot Chepsuit. Is that right? Yeah. I'm counting on it then. I'm definitely counting, <laughs> on, I'm definitely counting on it. Um, if you were going to make a special meal for your mom and dad, what would you make? My famous collard greens. My mom recently told me that I made collard greens better than she did, and that is a feat because her collard greens are the best in the world. And last time I made them, she was like, I'm not making them anymore. You got the collard greens. You got it. The baton was passed. The cooking baton was passed. Um, uh, <laughs> Absolutely, last one, and I think I already know the answer, but maybe I don't. Most beautiful place you've ever been to in the world? Ah, Positano. <laughs> had to be, had to be, had to be. And, and, and are, are you a hotel person? Or are you an Airbnb person? What brings you I'm joy? I'm an Airbnb person, now, especially when I go to Italy, because that, that helps me to meet people. Because I meet the whole, like the host, and then the host becomes my friend. And but I'm like the Airbnb queen. All my friends know. Like whenever we go on a journey, I'm like, just let me handle it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, what? I lied. One last one. We always talk about dreaming fearlessly on the show, because so many people want to dream fearlessly. It's not always easy. Much less bring those alive. What's the best advice you've ever gotten or given to someone about how to dream fearlessly and bring those dreams alive? One. Whatever the dream is, do not allow your thoughts to get in the way. The thoughts will always come. There will always be thoughts that tell you you cannot do it. There will, that's always going to be the case. Don't believe everything you think. I like to think of it like this. Whenever you're having thoughts about a big dream of yours that are not positive, remember that your mind is like, it's like a conveyor belt at the airport. And there's all kinds of luggage coming out, but you don't have to pick up every bag. Just pick up the bag that's yours and leave all the other stuff on the conveyor belt. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Pick up the good stuff. Don't take the wrong stuff home. Don't that's what you're saying. Home. Yeah. Don't take the wrong stuff. Um, Gondola, thank you so much. And uh, what this is what, what a pleasure. Thank you for uh, for making the time. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have a wonderful evening. Well, uh, uh, we want to make it easy, and uh, one of these days we'll do this in person. 
That would be yeah, better. I would love that. I would absolutely love it. We'll meditate together. <laughs> there you go. I'm ready. I'm ready. You will you you will make my friend Otto proud. Finally someone gets me to do it regularly. Okay. Sounds okay. good. Okay. Okay. Have a good week. Thanks, you too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends to find us on the iHeart Podcast app or Apple Podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 